When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined by Bruce Feldman for what is going to be a unusual and somber episode of the Audible. On Monday, Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State, formerly Washington State, Texas Tech before that, passed away. And he was 61. And obviously, every college football fan knows who Mike Leach is. Um, but I have as my co-host here the man who co-wrote Mike Leach's autobiography, Swing Your Sword. Um, and Bruce, uh, I'm try- trying to remember when I first met Mike Leach and struggling. And certainly remember a lot of good interactions. But, you know, I feel like it, as for, for most of your career, he was a, a big part of it. You know, I, I remember meeting him. The first time I had talked to him, he was at Kentucky. And I remember I was at my apartment at the time, and we ended up talking for a long time, which I was like, man, this guy's really open, not realizing, well, that's Mike Leach. And then, um, you know, I think we, we had talked a little, but it wasn't until I went down to Lubbock early in his tenure there to do an ESPN magazine feature where I was like, okay, I kind of felt like you know we kind of got along and and he was very open and then the relationship grew from there and you know obviously it wasn't till they had approached me to write mike's book and i had to give it some thought i had to talk to my bosses at the time at, at espn magazine but you know he is the most and i'm you know it's funny i'm still in the present with him like he's he he is the most and i'm gonna try to get through this because this has been like a really screwed up last two days right you know so because i don't you know like the thing with with the leech stuff is um and it's complicated right but like every like he was a gateway to a lot of people i got to know and i've gotten to to really develop relationships with beyond beyond just coaching and football. And so you kind of like Mike's the godfather of this air raid tree and almost all of them are interesting characters. And they were a lot of people that I spent a lot of time around in Lubbock, especially. And they've obviously, most of them have gone on to bigger things in coaching. So, you know, that like Mike was kind of the, the hub of that wheel. And, you know he's such a he's such a unique character right i mean he like we for, let's put aside what he what he was as a you know as a football coach and an innovator for a second but just in terms of like you know his background was so unique and he was you know he's this brilliant guy and he could be hilarious in his in his own way he looked at things and then like i could guarantee you like if he went to your wedding 
he could find 30 different conversations to that would be very unique to the people at the wedding who may have no idea that Mike Leach worked in college football because he was just very curious about people and he liked to talk. And so that hit home for me. And then when we worked on the book, and this obviously predates knowing that there was going to be a massive feud with with Craig James and the president, the chancellor of the school, and then ESPN. And so um, a lot of it was these crazy stories that Mike, that were in Mike's past. You know, they weren't scandalous. They were just so bizarre, you know. And so as we set it out to do this book, um, it was, you know, he has a story of him basically urinating on a golden retriever when he's a little kid. And this was the way we started the book. And like he, I mean, just as a writer, he was an amazing character because he's an amazing storyteller. Now, the downside was everyone said, well, I bet that's the easiest book to ever write because Mike was such a great storyteller. The thing was, you could be on the phone with Mike for three hours and I was on West Coast time and I'm like, why is he still up at 5, 10 in the morning? I need to go to bed, you know? Um, so when all this stuff, and I'm rambling, when all this stuff, which is fitting, because that's what Mike did, when all this stuff, um, can't, you know, blew up or, you know, whatever, got out on Sunday, um, I think the thing that, there was a lot of stuff I think I'd forgotten over time, just of different stories he'd told or different experiences or, or whatnot, and um, it, you know, I started to go through it, like, like, um, um, Sunday night as it, as I started to, it, it sunk in, Mike's probably not going to be with us much longer. Um, I started to really revisit a lot of stuff and it was like, I had a pit in my stomach, my chest was, you know, has been beating and it's just like, I think the hardest thing was just knowing, man, I'm never going to be able to talk to him again. You know, like he was the guy where, um, you know, the, the relationships kind of go up and go back. And, and I, you know, we traded Dave Nickel, who a lot of our listeners may remember, he was a leech assistant who ended up getting a job at USC and then tragically passed away at 45 had cancer. And it was really sudden. And Dave was a great guy and was like beloved by all the people in the air raid family, even if a lot of people didn't quite know who he was outside of maybe that world. Um, and so Mike and I had a really, you know, like I reached out to him and then he, you know, it was like a kind of a really touching way that we kind of reconnected for the first time in a little while. And so I, and then one of their players passed away at Mississippi state at some point during the season and we traded messages and I was like, all right, I'm going to talk to him after the season. And that's not going to happen. And that, that, that really, that really sucks. And I, I, hurt for Sharon, his wife, because anybody who knows Mike knows Sharon and knows what she has meant to him and everybody around him. And, um, you know, it's just like, it's, it's surreal right now. Cause Mike was such a, you know, like I would argue people would say, Oh, Mike Leach had a huge impact on college football. No, Mike Le Leach had an, had an enormous impact on football. It was way bigger than college football. It's Texas, high school football and it's seven on seven and you can look at the Patriots and look who, you know, the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. Well, he's probably not Patrick Mahomes if Mike Leach 
didn't end up yeah. doing the stuff he did because that became Cliff and that became he he made Texas Tech football a thing. And so the other thing that was really cool about Mike was he, Mike Leach was the most accessible Mike accessible football coach in the country. I mean, anybody could have gotten his cell phone and he would talk to them. But I remember one day going out to practice and there was a shorter guy who's probably in his mid 50s who Bleach was talking to as he was running practice for like a couple of periods. And I asked one of the guys at Texas Tech, I was like, is that one of the, is that a big booster? He goes, no, I think that's a homeless man who was out front. And Mike brought him out to practice and he was just basically showing him what he did. And, um, you know, I talked to one of my buddies who used to work with Mike and he has a story about like Monday night is big game planning night and they're going through what they're going to do and they're no, Leach will not get off the phone and he's on the phone. He's on his, on his phone. And then finally he hangs up after an hour and they're all thinking, shit, we're going to be here till three in the morning now because of this. And they're like, who was that? He was like, it was some fellow who had the wrong number. And I was trying to, we were trying to help him find <laughs> out. It was like, you were on the phone with him for an hour. Yeah. That's Mike. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the football impact that you mentioned, but just first, um, you know, it doesn't seem real. It really doesn't. Um, you know, the news came out, or Mississippi State put out a, a statement Sunday, early Sunday morning, that he had had a, a, a medical um, episode and had been transported to Jackson. And then by that night, you know, you saw a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of coaches in particular, you know, Mike Leach needs your prayers, you know, or thinking of him. I think you were more privy to the details in real time than I was. And I just kept thinking, well, he'll he'll make it through. You know, I didn't know really under, know yet what, what he was even dealing with. But, like, you know, everybody's going to say their prayers and he's going to make it through. And you were the one who broke the news to me um, that he had died. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, he's, you know, like he's not up, you know, if you were just looking at coaches' records, right? It's not like he's got um, Nick Saban or Kirby Smart's winning percentage. But it's funny, we just said this on the other podcast the other day, right? Who has the biggest personalities? I mean, I don't know why we didn't say Leach. Like, he, he's got, you know, his personality is, I think, part of what it Yeah, he has the football legacy. But, it, but people, I think, in the country know him as much, if not more so, for the weird press conference quotes and the random stories. Um, Alyssa Lang, the SEC sideline report, network sideline reporter, asked him, after a game early this season, hey coach, I'm I'm going to be getting married soon. Do you have any tips? Right after the game, and he went on a whole long uh, soliloquy about it. Um, it's almost like he's just he he always took the bait, you know. Now for halftime, if he's running locker at halftime, you're not going to get an interview with him. Uh, he was focused on the game at that point, but like outside of those three and a half hours, you almost, I almost sometimes wondered like how how did he get his job done? He spent so much time talking to people and uh, and, and about about stuff that had nothing to do with football, um, but the but the the track record speaks for itself. Those are three schools that are not accustomed to winning at a high level, and now he, we'll never know what exactly what how he might have um, you know what his legacy at Mississippi State might have ended up being. But certainly, Texas Tech has been struggling to recapture that ever since. And Washington State, the Gardner Minshew season, you know, that's the most exciting thing that's happened in 
They won nine games in the previous four years before Leach showed up. They were like nine and forty. They got. I mean, they got on game day. Like that was, you know, they that that's the school and the flag, and they wanted to get on game day, and it finally happened because um, he built them up to to play in a big game like that. The thing with what's ironic a little bit is the friggin' Hall of College Football Hall of Fame has this dumbass criteria oh, yeah. that you have to win 60% of your games if you've coached for a certain amount of time. And I looked, and I'm pretty sure Mike Leach's winning percentage is a just one win under 60%. If Mike Leach hasn't meant more to the game of football than most of the coaches who are in there, I don't care if they've won more, you know, a bunch of conference championships or whatever. Like his impact is enormous on what the game means. If he had one more game, if like, and and believe me, I don't know why I think, I think this, but like there was a game a couple of years ago when he was at Mississippi State where they got royally screwed by uh, Memphis, where like this it was like a special teams play that was like one of yep. the worst. Of, like if something like that, they win that game, then he's at sixty percent. Like I, I would hope. The people at the College Football Hall of Fame go, okay, we got to, you know, we've we've already wronged Howard Schnellenberger and he's passed away. You know, obviously they weren't going to put Leach in at this point, even if he had 80%, you know, like it would have to be, you know, nobody was expecting Mike to pass away. Um, but he did. And um, they have to, I mean, at least they have to rectify that. But I, I just go back to, um, you know, the impact he has had and will continue to have on all these people. But it, it's like you, like you said, it's the the character. Mike loved, like I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was out with him way after dark where the conversation drifted into like, who would, who would win in a fight between these college head coaches? He loved that. The only thing he loved more than hearing about if animals would fight was if who was going to fight Charlie Weiss or who was, you know, like whoever the head coach was, he loved those matchups. Didn't he mistake uh, Tim Brando for Jim Nance <laughs> at, a, at a Fox? <laughs> yeah, we were in Arizona and, oh my God, that's right. And I was like, not to be, and I felt bad because I think I said to Tim, I was like, man. Jim Nance is like a way better looking guy than you, you know, it's like, it's like <laughs> but it was, yeah, there was some Mike moments, man, that we went, went the year he was out, you know, he's doing, I think the radio show with Jack Aroot and he was mm -hmm. the, the Fiesta Bowl was the Oregon Auburn game, I believe. And it was in Arizona and Charles Barkley was having a, a party at the W hotel and Leach had a buddy who was from Houston who Charles had played with the Rockets. And so he was like, I can get you guys in. And I'm a huge Charles Barkley fan. And so we went and I just remembered, like, you know, you had to go through the velvet rope to get, you know, wherever. And there was a few people we knew in there. I remember seeing like Desmond Howard and a couple other people that I knew. But like, I was kind of awestruck with Charles Barkley. And he sees Leach and he turns around and he goes, Mike Leach. And he goes, Man, they fucked you so bad. ESPN fucked you so. And then he looked at me and he goes, Bruce, Mike, and I was like, because they fucked him so bad. And I, I remember thinking, holy cow, Charles Barkley knows who I am. And I was like, almost like grab leech. And I was like, and he was like, well, he was like, well, I'm, you know, like I, I remember saying to him, like we both felt like a big deal for a minute. And then Steve Nash was in the party. I said, Mike, you ought to go over and talk to him. He's like really into international soccer. You probably have it. And he went over to talk to him. And I don't know if Steve Nash knew who Leach was. 
you know, he had this, this unique aspect of like, it was an everyman quality, but it was also, um, you know, like I went, I was working on swing your sword and the year after the Crabtree game, you know, they up, they knock off Texas in Lubbock. And so it's a rematch game. And I spent the week there and like the Wednesday he gets like a manila feta, not a, like a manila envelope shipped to him, and it's a script, and he's going to be uh, appear acting in on Friday Night Lights, the show, um, and he's they're gonna film it the Friday night before the Texas Texas Tech game. What coach is gonna be acting in a show the night before a big game? Like I can't imagine any coach doing that. I can't imagine most of these coaches doing it, even if it was like against an FCS opponent. But so I said, to, I said, Mike, are you nervous at all? And he was like, oh, I've acted before. I'm like, what have you done? He goes, and then he said, I was in uh, two movies when I was in law school at Pepperdine. And I had an agent. I was like shocked. And so I call, I found out the name of the agent. Joe Kokowitz was this guy's name. I, I got him on the phone and he, I said, um, I said, hey, I'm working on something with a guy you used to represent. And he said, what's his name? And I said, Mike Leach. And he goes, I don't really remember him. And I said, well, I, he said, did he have blonde hair? I said, no. He had dark hair. He kind of looked like a little heavier version of the country singer Vince Gill. And he goes, ah, it doesn't ring a bell. And then I asked him a couple questions. And then finally he said, he goes, um, he goes, why are, you, why are you doing a story on him? Or why are you writing about him? I said, well... After he, you know, he tried to be an actor, he got into coaching and he be, he's become a huge college football coach. He goes, wait a minute, I represented that Mike Leach? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, did you, he was like, did I get him any work? And I'm like, yeah, you got him. He said, you got him into Grunt, the wrestling movie and something else. And he goes, yeah, I had a lot of, uh, it turned out this guy had once represented OJ and so, like maybe the Iron Sheik, some really random people. But that was like, it, Leach, it's like he's lived, he lived like 10 lives. Well, in coaching, he definitely lived two lives. One was the Texas Tech fairly triumphant tenure. And, um, well, let me get back to that in a second. Then you have the scandal that ends things at Texas Tech. And he was, you said the year he was out. I believe he was out for two years. And I remember talking to him the second year for a story about it, like he felt, you know, he was starting to feel blackballed. Um, and, and as we knew then and came to know even more after the fact, he felt he'd been uh, wronged um, and basically run out by Craig James. Um, but he gets the second chance eventually at Washington State. And honestly, I feel like when he was at Texas Tech, his, it, it was still like, well, that's a gimmicky offense. People threw for a gazillion yards and never got a sniff at the NFL. Um, it was just this weird coach in Lubbock. The second act, starting at Washington State, you end up getting to the point that you talked about where suddenly everybody wants to run the air raid. And, you know, his old quarterback and, and Cliff Kingsbury flames out in college and immediately gets an NFL head coaching job. Um, you know, it would be interesting to look now and see like how many different NFL teams and college programs have somebody that's at least running somewhat the air raid. I was at Troy Taylor's introductory press conference at Stanford Monday. He doesn't, he's not an air raid coach per se, but he credits Leach as one of his like influences. So it's everywhere. 
And, and, you know, it started with him and how mummy, uh, and again, like at some point, I don't know what the, what the key moment was. It went from gimmicky offense to, we want to run this at the highest, in the highest level of the sport. Yeah. I think those concepts, a lot of them, even if it's not, Hey, we're running the air raid at some version, like I remember in being in, um, Texas this year and doing a Sonny Dykes game at TCU and Sonny said, he described the air raid, um, you know, as more of a mentality and a mindset of how you do things. You know, and I think one thing that Mike was, it's ironic that he, I, I never thought about it until it's coming out of my mouth. Like what Mike did a really good job of was if he, you said like the little, like basically like it was almost like a bar napkin was his play sheet. What he did a really good job of is if, if he was adding two things, he was taking two things out, Right. And so my joke, you know, like in my story of my own little peewee coaching experience was like, I couldn't self-edit myself because it was like you're adding stuff and you're putting more stuff in and you're not taking stuff out and it, ma it makes it complicated. Obviously, Mike didn't self-edit anything because you'd be on the phone with him for three hours, right? And that's probably why everybody thought, hey, Mike would be great at, on, on TV. And I mm -hmm. think it was just like, you know, the rambling stuff and I think it was just constant stream of consciousness. Right. And that was, that was Mike. And you know, the Texas tech thing was really, really bitter. And obviously I got caught up in it, um, at ESPN and I remember getting deposed and it was so bizarre because like, you know, this is obviously part of Mike's, Mike's story. And I just remember after he got fired, um, at the time I'm still at ESPN and Mike told me a bunch of stuff like that, you know, we have proof of this, this, of them doing this. And Craig James did that. And I was like, first I didn't, I was like skeptical of it. And then I was like, how do you, he's like, and then, you know, I forgot Mike's a lawyer Mike's super smart. And a lot of these people were really, really stupid or really <clears throat> reckless. And they got the, a lot of records from them and emails and so when we talked about it, I was like, you know, if you, it's one thing for you to say these things, it's another for you to actually show it. Cause then it's not like he, he said, she said, it was like, no, here's the documented proof of this. And we would talk about it so much. And in fact, it was at your wedding. <laughs> um, I remember we were staying at some hotel and I got like a huge document dump from Leach's lawyers and I'm like going through all this stuff. And I just couldn't believe like how this thing was kind of, going the direction it went. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy because like, I think right now there's, there's a lot of love for Mike in the Texas tech football community. Obviously after he left, they've had a hard time. You know, they followed him with Tommy Tuberville. That was a fucking dud. Then they, you know, then Cliff came in and they got excited, but I don't think Cliff was ready to be a head coach at that point there. Um, and then Matt Wells and obviously now Joey McGuire, but it's like, they haven't been the same. So, you know, Mike had some magic there. It wasn't magic. It Mike, Mike just had, it was a great fit and then it got sideways. And, um, you know, there was a minute, I don't know if you remember this, where it seemed like Mike was going to be the head coach at Maryland. You know, he's buddies with Kevin Plank, the Under Armour guy. And then they ended up hiring Randy Etzel, right? You know, it was kind of, it was a weird kind of thing and then he ended up getting washington state and bill moose and he and 
And the president, Dr. Floyd, I think was, Mike really respected him and it, you know, it worked out really well for them. Um, but it was just, it's, it's kind of amazing kind of arc he's had because everybody who knows him has like a Mike Leach story. But there was just so much where, you know, like, no doubt he was brilliant and he could be really funny. He could be maddening. I mean, you know, almost everybody who's been close to Mike has probably had some big frustration or some, you know, blowout for a little bit. And then you reconnect with him and and that's kind of how it how it seems to go. But, um, you know, it's just like I I don't know when I will kind of come to the realization or come to grips that this has happened because it it is just I don't know it's like you know for my whole like I was thinking about this when I was uh in the car today I was like man Mike Leach had a you never you know not just like you know all these college coaches I was like Mike Leach had a big um uh impact on my career you know so um and it's just, it's like crazy for me to think that he's, that I, I won't be able to talk to him again. It just doesn't happen, right? I mean, for a, for a head, current active head coach, uh, for this to happen so suddenly, I mean, obviously I remember well when Randy Walker had a heart, fatal heart attack uh, when he was coaching Northwestern. Um, Terry Hepner died. He was the Indiana coach the next year. He was sick. But man, it just doesn't it just doesn't happen, and it's um, which is interesting because it's it's a, it is a it's very stressful. I mean, it's not like you're there's obviously other you know firemen, police, you know, like there's really stressful jobs, but this is one where you have crazy hours. You know, it's a three. It's it has become a three hundred sixty five. And Mike, honestly, is one who doesn't do it because he's not as manic in the recruiting space. Like he spent a lot of time in Key West as opposed to a lot of these other guys who are just manic on the recruiting trail. And really, that's one thing Mike wasn't. Well, I feel like he figured out, like, he almost figured out how to do, how to have the best possible football coaching career, where he, was, he, he wasn't going to be, like, like I said, a Kirby Smart, you know, relentless, going to win the national championship coach. He found places where going eight and five would, would keep you happy, keep people happy. And to your point, like, he runs this simple offense. He's not a manic recruiter. Like, no other football coach goes off to their vacation home for for that long uh, in the middle of the offseason. Um, look, he wasn't an angel. Um, I think we need to acknowledge that there were some things that were said and done over the years that did not go over well. His post-game press conferences. After he loses, yeah. The toughest ones were, you know, you could say after you lose we got out coached and da, da, da. and then all of a sudden it'd be like and our guys are soft and i was like you know fat little girlfriends that came out a couple times yeah i i would just but to frame it in this way like the we got out coached is like okay that happened today if you're saying somebody was soft that's more like an indictment of their character that's more of a that leaves a mark and um you know he was definitely not for everybody you know, and um, I found him to be, you know, incredibly loyal. And here's the thing. And it's like, 
in a in a field of stubborn people. Mike Leach was the most stubborn man who's walked the sideline in a long time. And if you are stubborn too, you probably have at times had some some um some some you know breaks from Mike, you know, because I'll admit I am super stubborn too. And you know, Mike and I, like we were close and then we weren't close, and then we were close again. It's like, you know, I think that, you know, that stubborn side, if you're really headstrong, and a lot of people are, um, that can leave a mark and that can, you know, that can come back to bite you. And like, sometimes you can see it in other people and then it makes, it enables you to see it in yourself. And the question is, you know, can, how can you, can you live with it this way or not this way? You know, it's like, what are, do you feel like you're true to yourself or do you feel like you're getting in your own way? And I learned a lot from Mike when I worked on Swing Your Sword. I mean, there was something that he had told me that I thought was just incredibly profound when he, and it's not even, it's not a football thing at all. And a lot of the stuff that he did and succeeded with weren't just football things. But one thing was when he left home to go to BYU, he talked about, you know, in a nutshell, it was like, nobody gets to define who you are. When you maybe, if you're in your own small town, everybody knows you a certain way. And those are the expectations. And you either live up to them or you live down to them or however. But once you go away, they don't know who you are. And you can, and he was like, you know, even though BYU is this really conservative place, it was very, very liberating to him. And I think he found who he was in that time. And I found that incredibly profound because I thought, you know, like if you get to define who you are, um, you can follow your dreams and do a lot. And just the idea that this guy who'd never played college football could be a, you know, incredibly influential coach. Um, I think almost that gave him carte blanche to think and say almost whatever came into his mind. And sometimes it got him in trouble. Well, speaking of stubborn, and this occurred to me t uh, today, he he never stopped uh, believing that Texas Tech owed him that money, and now they ended up not. He ended up not getting the money. Um, that seems quite cruel. Um, he will be missed. Um, I, I'm saying that, and I just still feel like we're going to wake up tomorrow, and this is not going to have happened, but it has. Um, college football will not be the same. Um, I assume this week we will see, you will see a whole lot of tributes uh, to Mike Leach. You might want to go pick up your copy of Swing Your Sword back off the shelf, um, refresh your memory a little bit. Also, the, the most, no offense to you, Bruce, the, but the, the best thing I've ever seen written about Mike Leach, or the most, I guess, entertaining, was about three or four years, we were still Washington State, Jason Jenks at The Athletic, got a whole bunch of Mike Leach quarterbacks from Washington State to talk about what a Mike Leach quarterback meeting room is like, like a, a film review. And it was hilarious. I mean, guy after guy after guy talking about how they'd start watching the tape and it wouldn't take long before he drifted off into some tangent and they basically learned nothing. Um, and they go out and play the football game. It, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. Please uh, Google it and go find it. Um, this has been a really rough few days because Friday, um, my former colleague, friend, Grant Wall, 
um, longtime Sports Illustrated writer who had gone off on his own and become the most prominent soccer journalist in America by far, was covering the World Cup match, collapsed two, two rows behind where the Fox broadcasters were calling the game, and he died. And he was only 49. Um, and weirdly, now that I think about this, you were the first one to tell me about that, too. Um, you caught wind of that before, you know, a few hours before it hit Twitter. And again, just like, what? That's, that can't be right. You know, uh, Jesse Temple, our Wisconsin writer, was interviewing Mike Leach like three days ago for a story on their new offensive coordinator. Um, Grant Wall was tweeting from the game, you know, four hours before you told us that. Um, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough few days. Um. Grant, I want to just, you know, there have been a lot of tributes written about him already, uh, but I don't assume everybody listening has read them. Uh, the thing that I would, that I think, you know, Mike Leach had this huge impact on football coaches. What Grant Wall had a huge impact on was the sport of soccer in this country because, you know, when I was there, we the reason I got to know him was we covered college basketball together. We would be at the NCAA tournament or the Final Four every year. Um and at that time, he was kind of doing half college basketball, half soccer. And I don't remember exactly what year, but I know it was going into the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. He asked SI, and they agreed to let him do full-time soccer. And I thought, well, that doesn't seem very smart. <laughs> like, that's not a very popular sport here. You know, college basketball is way more popular. What are you doing? Um, no, he saw, either saw the future or helped create the future because soccer, as we know, has taken off. You know, the interest in international soccer in particular, in the Premier League and whatnot, has just grown exponentially over the last decade. And he was the authority on it. You know, he was the Peter King of international soccer. Um, and what, what, a, what a tremendous loss. Um, it has been really cool to see, first of all, a lot of my former SI colleagues and others writing tributes about him. But um, I just had no idea how many lives he had touched. You know, there were people I follow on Twitter he was like, I wouldn't even imagine they would have even crossed paths. Um, but they would, but not only had they crossed paths, he'd done something really nice for them because that's what he did. He was always helping out other people. So condol- our condolences to his wife, Celine, who's a superstar of her own, uh, infectious disease doctor, and his family and everybody that, that um, Grant came into contact with. Well said. Yeah, I got to know him a little bit through college basketball as well back in the day, and he was a very kind man and obviously a gifted writer. And just you know, it's always too soon. But I was like, man, you know, like in your forties, late forties or not, you know, just yeah. He graduated college two years before I did. Um, that one also feels not real. Even though I've now seen, you know, him mentioned on Twitter a gazillion times. Uh, I mean, it, it was a like internet, like CNN breaking news when it happened. Um, so, look, this has been a very somber episode, but I don't think, I think we should probably let it go here and not try to transition into football questions. We'll come back to you next week with a regular football episode. Send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.